I was really excited to meet with Kimberly and Bobby for an Orange Socks interview about their daughter Kyla, who has Vodder Association. Previously, Kimberly and Bobby were pregnant with a child who was diagnosed with trisomy 13 in utero. Sadly, that child was later stillborn. Because of that experience, genetic testing accompanied the subsequent pregnancy with Kyla, and she tested normal. They did not find out until a few months after she was born that Kyla had Vodder Association. Kyla is an absolutely delightful child who had to give me a hug when I left her home. Kimberly, tell me about Kyla. Kyla is our youngest and she's two and a half years old and Kyla has Vodder Association. For her, Vodder has presented itself with uh, several different complexities and it's typically not the same for any two kids. Hers include back anomalies, uh, ribs, kidney anomalies, um, uh, imperforate anus, um, scoliosis. We learned about her diagnosis after she was born and she was as an infant we noticed right away that something was not uh, typical with our other two daughters we had during pregnancy done basic testing on her to see if there was any um, chromosomal issues. Our first daughter had trisomy 13 and so she was diagnosed at 18 weeks gestation. We went in to find out if we were having a boy or girl. We learned very quickly that she had several different markers as they called it that indicated that she had trisomy 13. So because we had a daughter that had chromosome issues we knew that our chances of having another child with complexities was much higher. So that probably led us to make the decision to have some initial testing. Um, for Kyla, nothing showed up abnormal in any of her testing. She appeared like she was fine, um, which is pretty remarkable considering she's missing a kidney. And, um, and then she has two on one side that are actually connected as one. So nonetheless, she was, she was born, she was healthy, and very quickly, her doctors didn't notice anything abnormal. She was jaundiced, basic things that, that could you know, happen during delivery. Again, we started to notice that um, she was different pretty quickly. She was very crooked. She um, had troubles having normal bowel movements. So we found ourselves in the doctor's office very frequently asking, uh, is there anything we should be concerned about? You know, what's wrong? She looks crooked. Something's not quite right having older daughters and we knew, we figured we knew what to look for. So we had her at a chiropractor when she was three months old and she was going several times a week. We were really trying to do whatever we could to make her comfortable because it was clear that she was not comfortable as, as a baby. So at about six or seven months old, Bobby actually discovered that she didn't have a complete anus. And so with that condition, she was diagnosed pr pretty rapidly with Vodder Association. That's an indicator. So then we got in to have an MRI, which is when they noticed that she had a tethered spinal cord, which is closely associated with spina bifida. It's on the inside of the spinal cord. And they began to realize the complexity of her ribs and her vertebrae and the severity of the scoliosis that she had. They obviously noticed at that point that she was missing a kidney and um, that she had two on the opposite side. So that began our story. So Bobby, what were your thoughts 
with around after finding uh, that out. Yeah, around after you found out you had the, this this diagnosis of of Otter. Oh, we just it was pretty simple in that we were able to attack it now that we knew something. But really, my thoughts were anger at the doctors previous that didn't notice anything. I was pretty mad. But we can't do anything because we don't want to waste our resources on chasing the past. We need to get her better. So we bared down and took care of it and saw every specialist we could as fast as we could to make sure we got the heart checked out and because that was the most important organ. And luckily, thankfully, the heart was fine and was working perfectly according to our doctors. Again, we were a little bit worried because we're thinking, do they really know since we just went seven months with nobody knowing anything and even saying they were specialists at it and they didn't notice she had scoliosis and it was severe. So it was hard to trust, but at the same time, we kind of just let it, let it go and, and knew that we had the best specialist now working with us at, at the hospital we were at. So Kimberly, what's been the hardest part of this? You know, that's a tough question to answer. For us, we've been so blessed with a daughter who is just a fighter and all she knows is going to doctors, going to specialists, being in the hospital. So for her, this is a normal part of her life. So what I would expect to be the hardest part would be having to explain to her why she has to be in a hospital all the time, why she's in pain, why she has rods coming out of her back, um, why she can't jump around like her sisters do. And all these things that I thought were going would be the hardest part, the anticipation of all those things, never came to fruition. So I guess the hardest part has actually been, for me, accepting that I don't know what's gonna come. Trusting a doctor to take your daughter back. You know, when you're, when you're new to the situation and you have a seven month old who has to have an MRI and they're gonna put her to sleep, a parent at that point has fear. Uh, you don't want your infant to go, you know, be put under anesthesia. And you fast forward now and she's had multiple surgeries and now has prosthetics installed. Um, it's, it's amazing how the same fear we had by giving over our baby to an MRI exists today when we give her over for uh, prosthetic installation. What's, what have been some of the hard parts for, for you, Bobby? I think the hardest is when I see her scars and then I think back of all she's gone through. I think when you go through the hardest part, you kind of block it out until you have a memory of looking at something like a scar on her back. Because she walks around and is super happy. She's the happiest kid ever. And then you see her with her shirt off and you see her running around and you realize she's got a back that's all cut up. And it's, it's devastating because she's so tiny and so loving. And then you remember, oh yeah, I was really sad or really worried seeing her come out of anesthesia and seeing if she'd be okay. So I, I think it's the, for me it's the pain, but it's crazy at the same time, it's, it's not, I know that she's had this the whole time she's been alive. So you have to remember that she doesn't have anything to judge it by. So she doesn't know what it's like to not go through surgeries or go through what she's going through. She's never been her sister, she's only been Kyla. So she's, she, she will adapt and be just fine. It's us that has a hard time adapting. It's the parents that have a hard time adapting, it's not the kids. So let me ask you another question, uh, different one. Um, what are the joys? In between surgeries, right now it's like a countdown for the next surgery. 
So the Joys is, is right now and enjoying every moment we can with her while she's not in pain and she's happy running around. And we got her a little puppy. She's super happy. It's just every time I see her happy, I'm ecstatic, which is all the time. She's always happy. Kimberly, what have been your joys? Hmm, that's an easier question. <laughs> because Kyla is uh, truly the happiest kid I've ever met. She never lets anything hold her back. We've never tried to hold her back. Um, we've never tried to explain to her that she'll be different than anybody else. And through that, she has flourished, really. The, the joy in simply being a mother is heightened because she embraces us so much. She loves us, she takes care of us, she comforts us. She's the one who gets us through the hard parts. So all these things that I would think would be fearful, um, she helps me through that and, and that's joyful to me. She loves her doctors, she loves the hospital, she loves to play, she loves to read. She truly is the happiest kid, so the joy is, again, just being a mom, right? That's the greatest joy. But being able to go through this with her and all those fears that we had, and really none of them have actually manifested into anything other than joy. And it's something that growing up as a typical person, right? I remember saying, you know, why me, why me, why me? When the littlest thing would happen to me. And, and I learned along the way somewhere, it popped in my head as I was watching her one day. Instead of why me, it was why not me? Why not our family? So she's, she acts as if there's nothing wrong with her. And that's the joy we have, to watch her go through everything and come out smiling and happy every day. So if I came to you because I had just received a diagnosis of fodder for my, and for my, with my child, what advice would you give me? I think the first thing I would say is it's going to be okay. Your life will change, but it's not going to be so dramatic. You can't get through it. You take it one day at a time. You take it one specialist at a time, one diagnosis at a time. For us, this type of condition has all different ways that it can manifest. So you may have seven or eight specialists. You may be in a community of other kids with the same association and they're going through something completely different than you. So there might be times where you feel like you're the only one who's dealing with this particular collection of complexities. Just take them one at a time because you can tackle all of them. And in my mind, everything is treatable. It doesn't always have the best outcome, but all we can do is treat it and hope for the best. So we do what we can, one day at a time. So Bobby, I'm curious, what do you think the impact has been on your immediate family? Being able to notice the little things that make us happy. I think if you don't go through something like this and your kids are perfect, then you're probably not gonna stop and smell the roses. And I know that's such a a broadly used thing. Everybody says that, stop smelling the roses, whatever. But you really don't grasp it until you go, wow, it could be way worse. We could have rods in our back all night long. Imagine lying on rods in your back every day and you can't get them out. I mean, I get uncomfortable with my pillows wrinkled on my face. It's pathetic. And this little girl never whines about big old rods down, not just both sides of her back, so it's not like it's even. It's only on one side. So imagine always being tipped over with a metal rod going down. Everybody slept on a pullout, so we know how uncomfortable the dang bar is. 
on a pull-out bed in the couch and she lives it and she says nothing about it. So it really has brought joy to our family to make us go, there is nothing that is too hard to get through. So Kimberly, I'm gonna let you have the last word. So anything in conclusion that you would like to say? Sure, being given a diagnosis is obviously not something any parent ever wants to have happen, expects to have happen, or knows how they'll deal with it until it does happen. And the families we come in contact with, all sorts of different complexities, have this resilience about them. And I don't think it's something that you develop after you get a diagnosis. I think it's something that is always within you, this strength that's within you, this resiliency that, that's there, that's just untapped, and you can get through anything. And it's, it's not something that you wanna, that you have to look at somebody else and say, wow, you're so strong. I would not be able to deal with that. How do you deal with that? We get that response often. How do you deal with a surgery, a follow-up, and your next appointment is to schedule your next surgery? I couldn't deal with that. And the reality is you could, you could, we all can. Do we want to? No, is it fun? No, is it easy? No, but you do it. And it doesn't impact your life in such a way that it changes who you are. You figure it out, you work together, you get your friends together, you get your family, your community, anybody who can help you who wants to be a part of your process. And you grow in what really matters, which is loving and supporting each other. And they help you through it. They help you through the surgeries, the recoveries, the doctor appointments, watching other kids while you're doing it. And you'd think you'd get exhausted, but you don't. You have times where you get tired, but the reward is in the little faces, right? It's in the love that you have with your kids, the ones that are going through it, and their siblings. You know, they're learning all about love. They're learning all about what really, really matters right in their family unit. And that's, that's something that we wouldn't trade, wouldn't trade it.